Has COVID done anything for business? Absolutely. It's proven that your business needs cloud computing more than ever. So migrate now to get optimal security and access for your work from anywhere workforce. No cloud offers more than the Microsoft Cloud. And no one gets your business into the Microsoft Cloud better than CloudForce. It's all they do. Start now at GoCloudForce.com. That's GoCloudForce.com. Handle on the news. Handle on the news. Tonight, I am also calling on this Congress to repeal and replace Bill Handel. And now, here's Bill Handel. And uh, a good morning. Yeah. You know, it's a Monday. We start the year. It's January... Uh, we start the year, and it's January 4th, uh, and, uh, well, let's just say we're starting the year with a bang. As miserable as it was in 2020, all of us were so and are looking forward to a 2021 that is going to be so much better. Well, the numbers uh, are uh, not proving that, unfortunately, in the world of COVID. A couple of major political issues coming up, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, over the next couple of days, uh, the big one tomorrow, the Georgia runoff contest, uh, the Senate, uh, David Perdue, Republican versus John Ossoff, Kelly uh, Leffler, Republican versus uh, Ra- uh, Raphael Warnock, who is a pastor, actually. And uh, we'll see what's going on with that one. And then on Wednesday, uh, boy, is that going to be a day. Tomorrow is democracy at work. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, this is the way it is supposed to go. Wednesday, uh, with uh, the Senate and the House voting to certify the election, simply count the electoral votes. I mean, literally open the mail is what it's about. You're going to see Republicans, a dozen Republicans a hun- uh, in the Senate, 140 Republicans in the House Uh, saying that, uh, well, the election should be overturned. That's that simple. And uh, they're coming up with all kinds of reasons. I'll get into that. And we're certainly going to talk that about Wednesday. And Wednesday, as we enter that discussion, it's uh, a little bit of handle history that I'm going to give you, a segment of handle history where I'm going to talk about that particular vote coming up on Wednesday and how it's happened before. The word unprecedented is wrong. All right. Quick hello to uh, the crowd. Uh, first of all, uh, Jennifer Jones Lee, not in today. Michael Crozier is. Uh, good morning, Michael. How you doing? Oh, there you are. A little louder, please. Good morning, sir. Happy there Monday. Welcome back from holiday vacation. Uh, yeah. We missed you tremendously. Oh, thank you. Uh, vacation, sitting around and... Uh, you know, enjoying New Year's uh, Eve, just like I enjoyed uh, Christmas uh, Eve, binge-watching. What What was the most interesting thing you watched the oh, entire time? A, uh, you know, just a bunch of stuff. Queen's Habit. Uh, I re-watched all the... Queen's uh, Habit. Ricky, yes, great. Uh, oh, Gambit. Gambit, that one too. The Habit and Ooh. the Gambit. Uh, one, <laughs> she's a nun, and the other one, she plays... Uh, phenomenal. Uh, uh, Queen's yes. Gambit, phenomenal. Uh, so... 
Uh, in any case, uh, what else uh, did uh, I watch? I uh, rewatched all the Ricky uh, Gervais stuff. Like uh, all of his stuff? He, all of his stuff. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, so that's what I did. What did you do? I was here, man. Yeah, that's true. I just I was did that here. to make you feel better. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, good morning. Really? Do we uh are we have do we have a problem with the microphone there. here? Yeah, we're having some tech issues. Yeah, I know we had some tech issues as we started the show with uh, Wayne. Good morning, uh, guys. Right there now. you are. Okay, I'm on, the phone. Uh, I'm on the regular old phone right now. You're right on the regular what? <laughs> Shoe phone. Phone, yeah. just a regular, ordinary loser telephone. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. Uh, as we do have some microphone issues, obviously. And I, I can I can see both of you. Aw. Okay. And uh, well, you can't see me. And, uh, you know, if any engineers are listening or whatever, it looks like access one is not properly pointed at KFI. Okay, and that's just a inside a little bit of inside baseball. Sausage. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, And uh, an issue that can be corrected in about 60 seconds if somebody knows what they're doing. Yeah, well, probably we'll get an engineer in and figure out what we're going to do during the first break. Uh, and then, uh, Alex, good morning. I think she's the one that's running around trying to get that fixed. Okay. And uh, Juwan, in for John Ramirez. Hey, good morning, now. Juwan. Good morning. There you go. All right. So uh, we're good. Two out of uh, two out of four. <laughs> we're sort at 50%. Of. But keep in mind, uh, 50%, uh, you're in the Hall of Fame in baseball. Nah. Right? <laughs> if you're batting 500. So uh, that's not bad. It's not good. Uh, that's Unless correct. you're a baseball player. Yeah, it's I think good. Bill was just making the point that depending on the context, it might be excellent. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, what a Monday. And uh, let's just start handle on the news uh, with uh, Michael Crozier, Wayne Resnick, and B. Yes, sir. Lead story. now the epicenter of the world in terms of uh, the coronavirus, uh, the deaths, uh, the hospitalizations. Uh, Nationally, it's a god-awful mess. 352,000 deaths now. Uh, Yesterday, 1,300, which actually is relatively good news because we were clicking along there at north of uh, 3,000 deaths. Cases north of 20 million. Hospitalizations, 125,000 and uh, it's um, all very tough in L.A. County. Uh, well, uh, we're recording new cases at a higher clip than any place else. And uh, the mayor has called for emergency measures. And we'll talk more about that later on. Why? Because we do a better job of masking than virtually everybody else. We do a better job of uh, social distancing than almost everybody else. And yet, as the, the mayor pointed out yesterday, apparently someone in L.A. County is getting COVID every six seconds or something to that uh, effect. Uh, I think six minutes. Is it six minutes? Uh, and it, yeah, I th- and it was 10 it minutes like in it. L.A. County. Or is it every... No, I, you know, you're right at getting it because it was uh, every 10 minutes someone was dying. Yeah of covid i think you're right on that and it's and it's going to get worse with this new variant you know you've been going these two weeks it's it's here in in la we got two more yesterday cases in big bear so the variants which means the it's getting more and more contagious much more easily even if the death isn't as uh as uh isn't any worse yeah well i think uh one of the reasons and we don't know yet because it's literally just started two cases here three cases there yeah. 
only a couple of states, but that's the way the virus started in the first place. Remember up in Washington, it started uh, with uh, that assisted living facility, and uh, then it went all over, and that's what happens. We're a traveling society. We're not staying at home, or enough people are out there traveling. And then later on, I'm going to do a story on what the airlines are and are not doing. Uh, And there is a miserable failure there. So uh, we've got plenty to cover on that area. One beach city is taking another step to keep people from hanging out. There's nobody here. There's nobody here. Well, after L.A. County ordered restaurants to stop the outdoor dining, Manhattan Beach uh, had announced way back then to repurpose newly closed outdoor dining areas as public seating areas. Well, those are now going all away. So they're keeping anybody from gathering, whether or not it's outdoor dining or just sort of communal spaces, even if they are spaced out. A lot of controversy about uh, restaurants, open dining, social distancing. You know, my best friend lives in Las Vegas, and they still allow inside dining in Las Vegas as well as outside dining. Oh. Uh, now, uh, clearly, uh, there are a lot of restrictions. For example, 20% capacity. It's not every other seat. It's every third oh. seat. Uh, and so there's plenty of restrictions. Uh, the uh, the uh, All the uh, menus are either paper menus uh, mm. that are used once, or you have to use QR codes. It's only on the phone. Uh, <laughs> they will not even hand out menus. And uh, the waiters come and they take the order from six, seven feet away. And when they deliver the food, they actually throw it uh, from <laughs> six feet away sticks. on the table. It's a little messy. Uh, but, you know, it's you look at it and the numbers are uh, it doesn't look like restaurants uh, and these facilities are what's causing or what's transmitting the virus. It seems to be in-home transmission. Uh, at this point. So, uh, you know, the people, the restaurant owners are looking at various places around the country and uh, they're saying, hey, you know, uh, we, we we have to look at some alternative. Otherwise, we're just shutting down. Business is gone. It's over. We talked about uh, on Friday how the, all the thousands of people that were in Vegas, despite what the governor wanted. Yeah, well, but, that was different. Then they, the addendum was is that they said, despite all the people and they were a lot of them, you know, tightly packed together, Fremont Street and otherwise, uh, they said the vast majority of them or as much as they could see people were wearing masks, at least. And I'm sure that helped. Yeah. I mean, also, it seems to help if you are so drunk that you are falling down, uh, like what happened uh, in Vegas on New Year's. I think that seems to help. Uh, (laughs) Enough alcohol seems to somehow uh, avert the the virus or protect you. Uh, By the way, I just made that up. I have no idea. Oh, it sounds good to me. Do we have Wayne? Did he, Do we have Wayne or not? Did we drop him or not? Nope, no Wayne. Working on it. All right. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so it'll be uh, the two of us, yes, uh, Michael. Sir. You want to go on or you want to take a break? It's, uh, we're right that time anyway. You know what? We might as well take a break. and okay. uh, We'll come back and see if we get our uh, microphone and uh, Wayne working. Uh, if not... Uh, he can actually go in with you, All right. Michael. No, can't do it. <laughs> oh, come on. Can't do it unless you wear three masks. Mm, right? And then that's going to be a hell of a transmission. <laughs> okay, we'll come back. KFI AM640, uh, <laughs> live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Oh, also, uh, oh, here we go. We're starting this again. Hey, now. Uh, our cash contest. No, no, it starts next hour. Uh, sorry about that. But stick I so, around. I was so excited about giving away $1,000, I can't contain myself. All right, Michael, some news from you. Number one, you're the reason I'm still alive. 
Good morning, everybody. Uh, Bill Handel here on a Monday, January 4th. As uh, we start the new year, uh, we continue with uh, Handel on the news. Uh, right now, uh, we have a technical issue with Wayne and the microphone. So it'll simply be Michael Crozier uh, in for JJL. It's my and- dream! I've been waiting for this moment. I know you have. Matter of fact, there's going to be a real argument of sabotage, Michael. I know. Uh, just, just, hey, not making any accusations. Uh, just, just let you know. Just putting it out there. Uh, just, I've heard there are rumors. If the crow don't fit, you must acquit. Thank you. Oh, not bad. Right. Not bad. All right, let's continue on, uh, Michael. This is a creative, unfortunate way to catch COVID. So an employee working at Kaiser Permanente in San Jose has died after getting COVID, but how they got it was an interesting way. Apparently there was a party and a staff member in that party had dressed in one of those air-powered costumes with a little fan in it. So the costume puffs up. And what does COVID need to spread more than anything else? Moving air? And uh, costumes, Santa Claus costumes. So it wasn't the uh... person in the costume that got it. Uh, yes, uh, because I guess there was virus somewhere out there. And when you have uh, a costume that uh, where you have a pump, air is sucked in uh, through a pump uh, and then inflates or keeps the costume inflated. So, uh, yeah, that's not a particularly good idea. Well, they're saying the person that was wearing the costume, they have they have they didn't say whether or not that person in the costume ever tested for positive for coronavirus. So it was somebody that wasn't even in the costume that got it because that fan just blows it around. Just movement in the room with that fan in that costume got somebody that wasn't even in the costume yeah, sick, sense. apparently. Yeah, it's, it's like a fan. Yeah, it's like a, it's exactly uh, what it is. I've yeah, worn like some of those costumes. Yeah, just starts moving air around. Yeah. yeah. So that's one way to go. Uh, President Trump is not going to let his time in office uh, go without at least one more phone call. Count it up. Count it up. Count it up. Sometimes I really feel like he knows this call is going to get put out there, and he's just going all in. An hour. Well, I'm going to talk about that at uh, 7 o'clock. It was extraordinary, this phone call. Never anything like this has happened in U.S. history. Uh, And I'm going to talk more about that. We have some cuts uh, coming up 7 o'clock, and it's just... What's going on is just beyond comprehensible. Well, no, it's comprehensible, but it is beyond belief that in a democracy, uh, this is what's going on. Where not only you have the president, who's out of his mind. I mean, the guy's delusional. Okay, I'll I'll buy that. But members of Congress and the Senate are willing to back him up and say he is so important to us, we are willing to overturn this election and try to give it to him. Fewer and fewer senators, or I should say politicians in general, are doing that. But those hangers-on, man, they are hanging on hard. Well, you got a dozen now. Yeah. I can't, uh, I, it, a week ago, we were talking about one with Hall. Right. And 140 members of Congress are expected to sign on to undo the election. It, it really seemed like uh, after November, after the election in November, that, Cruz, that Ted Cruz from Texas... Felt like he was kind of he was going to start pulling back from Trump because he knew that the lost cause and all that. But he's the one that's leading this uh, senators objecting on Wednesday thing. And keep in mind, the guy went to Harvard Law. I people talk about how brilliant this guy is. Harvard Law, where uh, first year, first year constitutional law, 
And I guess uh, now uh, Ted Cruz is going to be asking uh, law schools all over the country to to, uh, say, when it comes to President Trump, please disregard the U.S. Constitution. I mean, it's scary. But we'll talk more about that at 7 o'clock. We have some cuts from the phone call itself. A lot more going on. Election Day is tomorrow in Georgia, but a record 3 million people have already voted. Georgia. That's for a runoff election. It's not for the actual election. Yeah, that is, well, it's it's truly one of the most important elections oh my gosh. Uh, that we've had in a long time. Uh, and I'll talk more about that at uh, 9 o'clock with uh, the reason there are so many people voting. And uh, we'll see. Come Wednesday, we are going to see whether uh, it's going to be David Perdue staying, the Republican staying in office uh, against John Ossoff or uh, Kelly Loeffler who was, uh, she's been there for eight months. She was appointed, and she's now running in this uh, election. And uh, it's, boy, what an election this is going to be. What are you saying? What's your call? Both of them? Win, I think lose, the Democrats split may, it? Uh, yeah, I think the Democrats may pull it out. Both of them? Yeah. Which one has guess. the the greater chance of still winning of the Republicans? Uh, Purdue uh, and Leffler? I would guess Purdue. Because they both just seem like they have such glaring things. They're Trumpists. Yeah. They're both Trumpists, and uh, we will see uh, what happens tomorrow. I tell you both, even though they're Trumpists, even Trumpists don't answer the question. Uh, We'll not talk about, do you believe the election should be overturned? And they immediately go into a different direction. All right, uh, let's take a break. Uh, We'll come back. And uh, we'll continue more handle on the news. Uh, Let's check in with uh, Michael Crozier in the newsroom. And uh, welcome back. Bill Handel here on a Monday morning, uh, January 4th, as we continue with uh, Handel on the news. Uh, Michael Crozier in for JJL this morning. Uh, Wayne Resnick in for himself and me. Sorry, if, if if story seven is mine, I need a second because the two-factor authentication to get into the email to see the stack is now not working. Well, it didn't take Excellent. long after it was so Congress adjourned on Friday, did not accomplish all the crap that they were supposed to crap uh, to accomplish. And some people were ticked off and took matters into their own hands. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. House Speaker right. Nancy Pelosi, barely won re-election. Uh, she'll be there. I think she, uh, didn't he? she win re-election at the turn of the last century? Her first time out? <laughs> oh, she won by the skin of her mask. Uh, that's true. Well said. And uh, so and Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, who normally hands uh, over the gavel, uh, in in a ceremonial uh, procedure, ripped into her. Uh, it's you talk about a divided Congress, a divided country. Uh, it's we started starting uh, this, off that way on the first day, the swear in, and McCarthy couldn't even wait a day. Yep, it's not like he was going to change anybody's mind. No, but it's uh, it's one of those where it's just ceremonial. For example. Uh, come Wednesday, when uh, the votes will be counted, will be certified effectively. No, they've already been certified for president. Simply be counted. It's going to be a spectacle. And I want to keep this in mind. I, I want this to be in your head. Wednesday, uh, Congress is supposed to open the mail. That's it. 
the votes are delivered, they open the envelope, and they, you know, it's like the Academy Awards, where uh, the pronouncer, who's up there, says, well, the winner, well, that's what they say, but I'll tell you which winner I want to win the Academy Award. Although there is a difference, and this is what makes it kind of horrible, this whole procedure to have objections, and then they go in their respective chambers for up to two hours and all of that, that exists in the law. You know, the Academy Awards, nowhere in their rules and regulations do they have a clause like that. So if somebody did do that, you'd never you'd you'd never hear from them. Yeah. Bill, I think your mic may be off now. Oh yeah, you might be muted. Oh, you're right. Uh the day of uh, the uh, that that counting come Wednesday, uh I'm going to do a segment uh because when did this happen before? I'm going to give you mm-hmm. a, a handle history lesson, a segment, and I'm going to go through it. And it's really interesting stuff. So that's so what we have here is that it's not that we have people making up something in order to disrupt. No, no. we have people utilizing something that does exist. And yes, we, we has... don't we disagree with them utilizing it in this circumstance but the procedure is there. Right, but it has not been used. Uh, there's no one alive who uh, has ever seen anything like this. Uh, and uh, let's just continue on. The founder of WikiLeaks will apparently not be extradited to the U.S. A judge in Britain said no, uh, based on his mental health and uh, his high risk of suicide, they're just going to keep him there, I guess. 18 charges, 17 fall under our own the U.S. espionage acts that he's being charged with. WikiLeaks. Yeah, well, does he stay in jail in Great Britain? He's there now pending the extradition. But if the they're extrad- not going to extradite him, right. does he why release? would they have a reason to hold him? That's correct. So they don't feel about him the way we do? No. Uh, well, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't violated any British espionage laws. It's all American laws. So... Uh, that gets interesting, and then the argument's going to be: Well, does he? If he stays suicidal, uh, then I guess uh, that goes on forever. Because I don't know if the judge said this is it, this is forever. Uh, it's because he is suicidal and in bad health. So I guess if he sends out a suicide note every other week for the rest of his life, he'll be fine. Is there anything that would allow them to carry out the trial with him still over there? No. No. So he's got to be on U.S. soil. He has to be on U.S. soil. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of people and trials, Harvey Weinstein is going to appeal his rape conviction out of Manhattan. Every time there's some pervert, you play Dirty Deeds. Every time. I can't take it. Within three months, he will be filing an appeal. Uh, That's a weirdly specific piece of information there, but that is what is being reported. And it he's also matter. got charges here in L.A. pending, and there's a a woman from Britain who is accusing him of abuse, and her lawyer says her abuse that she has to report is horrendous and of a truly yeah. shocking nature. There's a win here. Uh, there is a true win on the Weinstein side, and that uh, that is uh, his lawyer's. Uh, with no chance to win, so they can't be nailed. Uh, lots and lots of fees on this one. Oh, yeah. And he's got money uh, at this point. 
Well, it sounds like another guy I can think of who has lots of lawyers who had no chance of winning anything and got paid lots of money. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> the defense for the two cops charged in the death of Ahmaud Arbery, uh, they, want, they want to ban the word victim in court. Yeah, they're not cops. Those are uh, the individuals. This is what. Oh, the, yeah, the two yeah, gentlemen. Yes, that's right. I don't like the two cops. Yeah. Which somehow is conflated with police shootings, which uh, I, I, well, I guess everything, every time a black man is killed under any circumstances today or shot, it's all one big picture. Uh, Isn't but, using that argument, it says they, they, they said using terms such as victim allows the focus to shift to the accused rather well, than. Well, no, no, there's an argument is, there. Uh, what, what, can't I think every, there's an argument. Can't every defendant say yes. something along that line? Yes. Has and it ever worked? That's the entire point. That's a loser, I believe. How, yeah. Because however, this is this is bedrock trial, criminal trial 101. Right. Someone is believed to be the victim. Yeah, it's hard to That's do a the trial term without a victim. Now, uh, uh, Wayne. Uh, the other motion that they're making, and actually this one has legs, is they're asking that no one be allowed into the courtroom with uh, Black Lives Matter buttons or T-shirts, that that should not be allowed to be seen in the courtroom. I think that's a winner. Well, I don't know if a judge can say some kinds of messages I will not allow, but can somebody go in with a thin blue line T-shirt? Or an All Lives on, Matter? Or how about just a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey? Yeah. I think uh, the judge can establish on a case-by-case basis. And then the argument's going to be First Amendment rights. Yeah. Can you do it? And is that going to be uh, a lawsuit that uh, is the ACLU going to jump in on that? Uh, and that, could, who, if, if that gets pursued, this whole thing, this could go all the way to like the Georgia Supreme Court. Isn't that the question special? of whether the judge can limit some kinds of messages, but not others. He can say, I'm not going to allow anybody to wear anything with any words on it or symbols on it. You will all show up in khakis and solid color T-shirts, period. That would be more constitutional. That's probably prohibiting true. some kinds of speech. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back and we will finish handle on the news on this Monday morning, January 4th. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And we're back. Uh, Bill Handel, morning crew, uh, Monday, the fourth day of January. Uh, next couple of days are going to be, well, I think the word auspicious uh, is uh, legitimate here. Uh, certainly uh, tomorrow, the election in uh, Georgia for Senate. And on Wednesday, the count uh, in Congress uh, to have uh, Congress officially accept the certified votes from the state. So oh, we got a lot to talk about over the next uh, few days. In the meantime, back we go. Let's finish up. Handle on the news, Michael Crozier, Wayne and me. And Larry King is hospitalized here in L.A. with COVID-19. Larry Hello? King, COVID news. Larry Music. King, it's fine. Doesn't matter. He's 87 and he's at Cedar Sinai. And of course, his family members can't visit him because yeah. that's how it goes when you have COVID in the hospital. But keep in mind 87, heart attacks, yeah. diabetes, yeah. lung cancer. It would be amazing if he made it. That's exactly correct. It would be amazing if he made it. Uh, Bond girl and late night pitch woman Tanya Roberts has passed. And and they're 
they're saying it was not. They're going out of their way. Her cause of death is not released, but it was not related to COVID-19, they're saying, her publicist. And 65, pretty young. You remember, just remember that voice. I was talking to uh, someone this morning, and uh, we said, oh, yeah, from the 80s. She was like the poor man's Kathleen Turner. She didn't get all the pub, but she had that raspy voice that everybody yeah. loved. Uh, well, Jerry Marsden of Jerry and the Pacemakers has passed away. He was 78. Of course, Jerry and the Pacemakers, contemporaries in the Mercy Beat movement with the Beatles. One of those bands went on to a much a bigger and longer degree of success. But Jerry and the Pacemakers had several number one hits. They did. They did. Uh, including is- a cover of your favorite song, Bill, You'll Never Walk Alone. That is correct. Uh, also, Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter. Remember that one? That's Herman's Hermits. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I got the wrong <laughs> band. Okay, fair enough. Um, and even even Paul McCartney on, said they were the more, main rivals. Got more. Uh, Star Spangled Banner. That's not no British else, at all. Somebody uh, else. Um, Lots of oh, other people. Uh, fair enough. All right. Uh, anyway, he's dead. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move on. L.A. is number one for natural disasters. So FEMA's put out its uh, list, uh, or it says calculates the risk of every county in America for 18 types of natural disasters. Earthquakes, hurricanes, yada, yada, volcanoes, tsunamis, they said. And of the more than 3,000 counties, L.A. County has the highest ranking in the National Risk risk Index. Yeah, but also keep in mind, it's not just the natural disaster itself. It's not the number of disasters, yeah. Right, it's the ability to deal with it. It's uh, the emotional uh, outlook and so there are a lot of factors involved. Yeah, uh, you would think that if it takes into account the, how they respond and how well they come back, either economically or socially or otherwise, that L.A. would be just the quantity yeah. of people and the resources. But nope. And uh, they were in the top 10. Uh, Riverside County was also in there. for And they when they got okay. specific for uh, natural disasters, they said Riverside County was number one for wildfires in the country. One more, and then uh, we're out of here. Right. If you uh, see Bill Handel on a cruise next time, you're going to be seeing a lot of Bill Handel on a cruise. A company called Bear Necessities offers nudist cruise events, and they have chartered the uh, Carnival Spirit for a big nude boat event February of 2022. And unlike previous nude cruises from this company, this one will be two full weeks, not just one. Yeah, and uh, it's really interesting because, of course, uh, the uh, staff, they wear clothes. And literally, uh, the entire, uh, all the passengers are nude. I mean, they're just hanging around. Yeah. And doing so well, I might add. Yeah. So do you already have your ticket? Uh, I do not. I do not. Uh, Yeah, I do not enjoy myself uh, naked. Uh, It's just not one of those things that... uh, (laughs) Standing in line at the buffet is uh, the highlight of the cruise. Yeah, you can't do that. Although, I have to tell you, social distancing certainly is very easy if you happen to have... uh, If God has been good to you. Okay, we're done. Wow. Okay, uh, enough of that. All right, coming up, uh, L.A., new coronavirus hotspot in America. And uh, this is not good news uh, at all for us. And uh, I'll explore a little bit of why it's happening. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, that story. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. AM 
And uh, good morning, Bill Handel, morning crew on a Monday, January 4th, as we start the year 2021, Hope, hopefully a much better year. I can't imagine it getting any worse. Uh, the big stories that we are covering, uh, the president uh, actually pressuring the Georgia Republican Secretary of State to find him enough votes. Find me the votes. I mean, what a, I have the whole phone call. There's an hour of it, and we'll play uh, some of the bigger cuts uh, coming up at uh, 7.30. All right. Uh, we are, here in L.A. County, uh, the new coronavirus hotspot. As a matter of fact, internationally, I mean, we are it. And why is that? I mean, think about this for a moment. We do a better job of mask wearing than most. Uh, we do a better job of social distancing than most. Uh, we have a shutdown order across the board here in L.A. County. Uh, no school, no in-class learning, uh, restaurant shut down, uh, of course, inside, but uh, outside also. So why is that happening? And herein lies the controversy because you have small business owners, uh, hospitality uh, owner, uh, uh, hospitality industry, restaurants, as it were who are saying, uh, you know what, we're going broke. It's over for us. This keeps on going, and there's going to be no small restaurants, no small businesses left. And there is an argument for that. Uh, my, As I said, my best friend lives in Las Vegas. They still have inside dining. Now, granted, there are huge restrictions, uh, 20% capacity, uh, mask wearing, uh, certainly social distancing, but they're open and they're not as bad off per capita as is Los Angeles. So what is happening? Why? Well, obviously, the scientists are at work, not only trying to figure out uh, the vaccine and moving forward with the efficacy and distribution folks uh, that are happening, in the manufacturing, but on the other side, also trying to figure out why, what's going on. Let's look at the transmission rate. And if you went back to March... Uh, the New York Times had a headline, Density is New York City's Big Enemy. Well, uh, L.A. Times in late April said, uh, you know what? They're right. The, uh, the virus proves New York right. Well, since the start, uh, urbanists, people who study uh, urban areas, uh, what a shocker that one is, have argued the effectiveness of government response. Uh, cities in Taiwan, Japan, Vietnam, South Korea avoided severe outbreaks and uh, found out and uh, said that city density, and that was the big issue in New York, city density was in fact not directly linked to higher infection rates. Instead, uh, it has to do with Metropolitan size, education, race, age, implementation of social distancing policies. And why was New York uh, at early, early on uh, the epicenter, the world epicenter? Well, uh, because uh, in many cases, social distancing was ignored. You had the ultra-religious Jews, for example. And they would have, one of, when one of their rabbis died, uh, 2,000 people showed up. 2,500 people showed up at the funeral. And I mean, they were crammed together, uh, crammed together cheek to jowl, in this case, pay us to pay us, uh, and totally ignored social distancing. And they were without masks, so of course it spread like wildfire uh, in Brooklyn Heights and other parts of New York. 
Uh, so their density had a great deal to do with it. And they took that and said, okay, uh, we're looking at density, but there are other factors. Uh, the size of the metropolitan area, education, race, age, uh, the implementation of social distancing policies. And uh, when you point all of that out, what do you get? You get people of color, you get poorer people getting nailed. And why is that? Well, the reasons we've been talking about. And that is uh, you have people that are closer together. You have people that can't practice social distancing, even though it's family members. But it's really hard to have uh, five, six, eight family members stay in one place, a two-bedroom apartment, uh, when you're poor. Uh, and the medical care is not as good. And it, in, it, inherently, uh, and I've said this over and over again, to be poor in America is not easy. To be uh, a person of color is not easy uh, because uh, you just don't do as well. It's a rough place to, to for that to happen. I mean, you're better off in a Scandinavian country in Europe if you fall in that demographic. And... This isn't, that was just logic. Uh, when we talked about statistics coming in from the past, uh, poor is bad when it comes to health care, uh, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to education, when it comes to just having good supermarkets in your area. Now the urbanists are looking at this study and it says, now we have, uh, now we know it's true. We have moved from what appears to be and logical to here is the proof. And uh, what is going on? Why does this keep on going? Assuming that's true, why is the spread going beyond that? Well, uh, keep in mind, L.A. County, which is as horrible as it is, uh, there's no sign uh, that we've even come close to our peak uh, caseload. And why is that? Pandemic fatigue. Remember when the pandemic first hit, the streets were, uh, you could drive through the streets, it was a ghost town. Well, that's not the case anymore. And look at how bad the spread is now. Far worse than it was at the beginning of the pandemic. We have inconsistent public health messaging. Different counties are doing different things. Distribution issues are just insane going on right now. Holiday gatherings, look at the number of people that are flying Look at the number of people that are in airports on airplanes. And where's the social distancing? You're seeing people line up. Now, on the airplane, you're in pretty good shape because of the filtration. When you're flying, you're in good shape. But you're lining up to get there. You're crammed together getting onto your seat. You're jammed together getting out of the airplane. And uh, that's a tough one. Also, there's little, uh, almost no enforcement of social distancing and mask wearing. And the police, in many cases, sheriffs, uh, particularly here in Southern California, just refuse to enforce it, say, I'm not going to enforce the law. It's um, uh, it's it's tough. It really is, as we're going to study this more and more. And what's going to turn it around? Uh, clearly, the vaccine is going to turn it around. Uh, and uh, uh, that we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later on. All right. Uh, by the way, on airplanes, there's a huge story going on with airplanes. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, there are bad ideas. Every year uh, we talk about and there is a uh, uh, there is a group of people 
my group of scientists, and we talk about the worst ideas of 2020. Well, I'm going to tell you what the worst idea of 2020 was. And that's coming right up. KFI AM 640. Let's check in with Michael Crozier. In, oh, and uh, a chance to win $1,000 when we come back. Don't forget that, too. Sweet. KFI AM 640, checking in with Michael. Mr. Monday morning, January uh, 4th, uh, big stories that we are covering, the numbers of the pandemic. Tomorrow is uh, going to be the Georgia uh, runoff election for Senate, and next day will be the election, will be the counting of the votes, and that's going to be a huge issue, uh, counting of the certified votes for president, and I'll do more about that uh, coming up at 7.30. Boy, do we have a phone call to uh, talk about That's for sure. Uh, But first, uh, your chance to win $1,000. For your chance at $1,000, text the nationwide keyword CASH, C-A-S-H, to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CASH to 200-200. And um, you uh, have to pick up the phone. If you get a call from a number you don't recognize, probably a 513 area code number, uh, that's the only way to win. If you don't answer, well, next person in line gets uh, to gets the chance to win. Listen to KFI every morning for the uh, winning keyword, cash today, or this morning, every weekday, 20 after the hour, between 520 a.m. and 620 p.m. Uh, every year... The Vox.com uh, science team comes up with a year-end list of bad ideas in health and science and saying, uh, in the past, homeopathic medicine, bad idea. Uh, climate change doesn't exist, bad idea. Uh, this year, uh, or this past year, uh, the bad idea was the promotion of herd immunity. Uh, herd immunity, uh, effectively letting uh, the uh, vaccine or letting the virus go wild. Don't try to stop it. And if enough people get the virus and therefore develop the antibodies, uh, well, it stops spreading because uh, a lot of people have gotten the antibodies. And the uh, herd immunity goes and says we should only take care of the people who have uh, real issues, health uh uh, age issues, uh, that sort of thing. And the rest of us uh, just get the virus and will probably survive. I mean, that's an insane concept. And scientists all over the world are shaking their heads going, what are you talking about? Now, there is such a thing of herd immunity when enough people, uh, in fact, have either gotten the virus or have uh, and developed the antibodies. But there's only one way you're going to get herd immunity. And that's with a vaccine. The vaccine itself will develop enough antibodies or enough people developing the antibodies to then uh, give us herd immunity. And normally you think this is kind of crazy. I mean, how can anybody argue let as many people get it as possible and the more the merrier and at some point we'll develop herd immunity? Yeah, we're going to lose some people and some elderly people and some people at risk. Uh, But that's a small price to pay for everybody else in the country uh, having enough protection because of herd immunity. And this is uh, not some crazy, well, and actually it is, but uh, let me tell you how deep into the government, our government, it goes. 
uh, former White House science advisor, medical advisor Scott Atlas, who was a proponent of herd immunity, still is, uh, had become the chief medical uh, officer or the chief medical advisor to the president. He blew off everybody else who was arguing this is crazy and said that it's Dr. Scott Edless who is going to give me the information that is valid. I'm going to follow his lead. And Atlas, incidentally, he's a neuroradiologist, uh, pretty impressive, uh, but not an epidemiologist or viral or virologist, which is you think you need that kind of expertise when dealing with a pandemic. And this is uh, uh, what is uh, unfortunately being transmitted in this idea all over the world, particularly in places of the world where you have followers of this administration, for example, Brazil. Right, where the president, Bolsonaro, is a Trumpist through and through. And he said, we're going to have herd immunity, too. And if you look at Manaus, Brazil, where he where they experienced this, where the promotion of herd immunity went forward, uh, one of the most severe unchecked outbreaks in the world. Uh, researchers estimated between 44 and 66 percent of the entire city's population was infected. And uh, four times as many deaths as normal in Manaus for this time uh, next year, or this time this past year. So here's what herd immunity basically says, and that is go ahead and get it if you're reasonably healthy. Let's ignore transmission. Uh, Let's ignore those that are healthy dying, those that are healthy getting it. And we don't even know the kind of side effects when people do get it. We're starting to realize the long-term effects and so we have to put that aside. Uh, that was one of the worst ideas in 2020. And hopefully that one goes away very quickly as we learn more and more about the virus and more and more people die. And boy, I hope that wakes us up. It's getting there. It's getting there. Uh, coming up, uh, an extraordinary phone call that the president made to uh, the Georgia Secretary of State, uh, effectively demanding uh, that uh, Georgia not just recount the votes, but actually turn it over, turn over the election and flip it over to Donald Trump. It's just unbelievable. And I'll give you some cuts of that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Baby, please have mercy on me. morning, January 4th. As we continue on, some of the big stories we are covering. Unfortunately, the number of COVID cases uh, are exploding. Uh, L.A. County, the the world epicenter of cases right now. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Dr. Jim Keeney is going to give us some uh, medical insight as to what's going on. Uh, Now, uh, something happened on Saturday that is nothing short of extraordinary. Uh, If you thought that uh, President Trump was an unusual president, uh, unprecedented is the word that is used in many, many cases. No one's going to disagree with that. A phone call made to Georgia's um, Republican Secretary of State, uh, who certified the Georgia vote for Joe Biden, giving the electoral votes to Biden, uh, received a phone call from the president who outright asked him to find enough enough votes to overturn his defeat. Just outright. 
find the votes. And uh, we, we have the phone call. It's been made public. It was a one-hour phone call where uh, the president berated Raffensperger, flattered him, begged him to act, threatened him with criminal consequences if he refused to pursue uh, Trump's claims, and at one, t- one point warning that Raffensperger was taking a big risk. And at every single point, whenever the president uh, issued a fact uh, that he and his followers believe are facts, for example, uh, thousands of people who were dead uh, voted. Uh, 18,000 votes were scanned by a worker all for Joe Biden. Votes that never occurred. And at every point, Raffensperger said, no, that's not true. Uh, let's go through those uh, cuts. Uh, right one through four, uh, Juwan. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state, and flipping the state is a great testament to our country. Well, let's keep on going, Joanne. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Tell you what we are seeing. Go ahead. Good. We, what, what we're seeing is not at all what you're describing. Okay. And it, these are investigators from our office. These are investigators from uh, GBI. Um, and they're looking and they're good. And that's not what they're seeing. The ballots are corrupt. And you're going to find that they are, which is totally illegal. It's, it's, it's more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan. And uh, it's, it, it was an hour of this. Uh, where the president went all over the place, uh, repeated himself several times. He detailed, I mean, this exhaustive list of uh, conspiracy theories, uh, disinformation, uh, facts that were just wrong, made-up facts. Uh, He claimed that he won Georgia by at least half a million votes. Half a million votes that should have been his, that were his, were not counted. Uh, thousands of dead people voting. As I said, an Atlanta election worker scanning 18,000 forged ballots three times each. So it's three times 18,000. Uh, and and 100% of those were for Biden. Uh, thousands more voters were living out of state, came back to Georgia illegally uh, to vote in the election. And... Uh, matter of fact, Raff, uh, Raffensperger agreed with uh, the president on that one. He said, uh, yeah, there were out-of-state Georgia voters that came in to vote illegally. All two of them. We counted two who did that. Not tens of thousands. And uh, Raffensperger responded with the uh, votes that were scanned three times. Mr. President, they did not. We did an audit of that. We proved conclusively they were not scanned three times. And then uh, the president went on, and this one was a a real winner. Um, 
do you think they shredded the ballots in Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is. And that Dominion, the people that made uh, manufacture the voting machines, Dominion took out the machines. And Dominion is really moving fast to get rid of their machinery. Do you know anything about that? Because that's illegal, right? And the uh, counsel to the Secretary of State who was on the phone said, no, Dominion has not moved any machines uh, out of Fulton County. And then uh, the president responded, but they've moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts. And uh, the council says, no. And Trump says, are you sure, Ryan? And uh, Ryan Germany said, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure, Mr. President. And so it's uh, it's just going on and on. And this is a phone call. And I was uh, listening to an interview uh, with uh, Bob Woodward yesterday. He said uh, that under any other circumstances but for this president, uh, a president calling an election official and asking him outright to find votes uh, to flip the election would be there would be an instant uproar from amongst both the the Republican and the Democratic side. When Richard Nixon uh, resigned, it was overwhelmingly on both sides. Now, what Richard Nixon did was to cover up a crime. He never attempted to flip an election. This is why the argument that this is an attack on democracy itself, that the vote doesn't count. And the argument is on the Republican side, 12 senators, 140 uh, Republican Congress people, we think, uh, are arguing that uh, what happened with this vote is an assault on democracy, that you have hundreds of thousands of votes that were miscounted, that were lost, that were cheated, that the president did win by half a million votes in Georgia. And look at the cheating. And you took away all of those votes that voted for uh, the president for his reelection. And the only problem is none of that happened. And these Republican senators, although, you know what, let me take a break and come back because I, I want to dive into this a little bit more. And the argument that's being made on the Republican side, and uh, it's not quite let's flip the election. They're not going that far, uh, but they are going in a way that, well, uh, disturbing is, is fair to say. I mean, I'm appalled, but you know where I sit with all this. We'll be back and uh, I'll share that with you. This is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Has COVID done anything for business? Absolutely. It's proven that your business needs cloud computing more than ever. So migrate now to get optimal security and access for your work from anywhere workforce. No cloud offers more than the Microsoft Cloud. And no one gets your business into the Microsoft Cloud better than CloudForce. It's all they do. Start now at GoCloudForce.com. That's GoCloudForce.com. Welcome back, everybody. Bill Handel. It is a uh, Monday morning, January 4th. Uh, the big stories we are covering, uh, the number of COVID cases, L.A. County, Southern California, the world epicenter of cases. Dr. Jim Keeney is uh, joining us. Uh, at 8 o'clock, next segment, talking about that. And I want to continue on with this extraordinary phone call that was made on Saturday by the president to 
uh, Republican Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, who certified uh, the votes uh, and certified the electoral votes that uh, are going to be counted on Wednesday. And uh, the president spent an hour trying to uh, talk Raffensperger into, I mean, literally turning over those votes. Find me 11,000 votes so I can win Georgia. And I mean, there's all kinds of issues where it's legally impossible for that to happen. But uh, here is uh, the part that, that I want to spend just a couple minutes on. And that is uh, I can see the president doing what he did because I think he's delusional. Uh, I think the president, a few of his uh, a few of his aides and followers really do believe his allegations. Uh, tens of thousands of votes that were counted illegally. Tens of thousands of people uh, who were dead voted. I mean, all of that, incidentally, was, uh, in fact, investigated. None of that was true. Uh, in Georgia, there were three recounts, hand recounts. And as the Secretary of State told the president, we've done that. We've investigated that. None of that true. None of that is true. And the president dismissed that. Now, uh, here is the part that I want to share with you and uh, get into a little bit of the politics. Uh, a dozen... Republican senators, and we're hearing 140 Republican members of Congress, are going to object to uh, the votes being counted. And I want to point something out, and we're talking about uh, the president uh, being officially recognized, the president-elect, as the president-elect, because that's the last step. That step in which the vice president actually counts the electoral votes is effectively the vice president opening up the mail and saying, here's what's in the mail. And they're saying for the vice president to say, uh, this is not in the mail when the mail is in front of him. And that's what's being asked for, even though there is a method of saying that really obscure. uh, And on Wednesday, I'm going to talk more about that because there is some historical precedent and it's it will be a handle history segment. So why are these members of Congress? Do you think they actually believe uh, those conspiracy theories? No, of course not. They know Biden won the election. Why are they doing this? Why do you think? Because when Trump voters uh, come back and are looking at their election, they can say we were on the president's side. And it's a win for them, actually, because they know it's not going to happen. They know none of this is true, but they can say, look, we tried Much like overturning Obamacare, which happened, what, 20-something times? And the Republicans knew there was no chance of overturning Obamacare with uh, Congress being firmly in the hands of the Democrats. But what they can say to their constituents, we tried time after time to overturn Obamacare. And that's what uh, their base wants to hear. And that's exactly what I think is going on here. And uh, at least they're not asking for, let's overturn the election. They're not asking for that. They haven't gone that far. They are not telling the secretaries of state, find votes somewhere and overturn your election and give them to Trump. What they're saying, there are enough allegations out there that millions of Americans have doubts as to the veracity of our voting system. And we need an investigation. Of course, before Uh, The swearing in of Joe Biden. We want 10 days of an audit, an emergency audit. This is what Ted Cruz is asking for. 
Well, the problem is you can have all the audits you want. It's too late uh, at this point. Supreme Court will never let this election be overturned, uh, and it never will be anyway. It doesn't even matter uh, because uh, there are never they're not even close to enough votes. Uh, so, and here is I think the defining issue and argument, and that is there are enough doubts out there that makes people doubt our election process. Where do those doubts come from? From the president saying there are doubts. And all of a sudden his baits is saying there are doubts. And then going through this entire litany of conspiracy theories, made up information. Uh, We won by half a million votes. Uh, There were 18,000 votes that were scanned in illegally three times, all for Biden. Uh, we found votes that were in the trash that were Trump votes. And so uh, that's what you're going to see on uh, Wednesday. Uh, and what is going to happen? Well, well, here are the rules, right? One senator, one congressperson objects, and then each side goes into the respective chambers. Two hours of debate. The vote is taken, and then it is over, except for the president and his followers. And maybe they'll come up with something else. And the only way they can do it is go to court. And there have only been 50 cases that have been filed by the Trump administration and the followers and allies. 50. Every one of them has been overturned, which, by the way, uh, I have yet to hear uh, Donald Trump or any of his allies in Congress and the Senate mention that. That's off the table. It's going to be a fascinating Wednesday. Oh, God, yes. And then a histor- I'm going to go into history a little bit on Wednesday. There'll be a handle history segment on this issue specifically, and that's going to be a fun one. Coming up, Dr. Jim Keeney talking about what's going on in Southern California and the virus. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Good morning. It is a uh, Monday morning, January the 4th, as we continue with the show uh, and uh, the first show, uh, or our first show of uh, the year. And uh, some of the big stories we're covering, uh, the phone call uh, the president uh, made to Georgia's Republican Secretary of State to find enough votes to overturn uh, the election. Extraordinary phone call. And uh, unfortunately, the other news that we're following, uh, even as the vaccine is rolling out, and there's some real issues with the vaccine, and I will uh, get into that a little bit later. Well, I'll say I'll get into it right now uh, and the numbers and the problem in Southern California uh, with us, Dr. Jim Keeney, co-director of the ER Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. Uh, Jim, as always, thanks for taking the time uh, to talk to us. And uh, you're always right there. You know, we call you and uh, you're willing to share uh, your information with us, so it's greatly appreciated. By the way, did that sound sincere, Jim? <laughs> Sounds like you want me to come back whenever you want to call. <laughs> well, you actually give important information. All right, as we've been talking over the last weeks, uh, it seemed to me that uh, the ER, uh, your hospital uh, in Mission Viejo, has been in pretty good shape relative to the staff, relative to the number of beds that are available. 
And at the same time, uh, Southern California, particularly L.A. County, is now the world epidemic hotspot. Uh, transmission, deaths, hospitalizations, etc. Let me start with uh, why L.A. County and not Orange County right next door? We're not hearing that much or a- almost anything about Orange County. Explain that if you can. Well, you know, I think that part of it is just you're not hearing it. Um, you know, we are um, the, basically the southernmost hospital in Orange County, so I'm way closer to uh, San Diego County than I am to L.A., uh, and so I think we're just the last ones to be affected. I mean, definitely over the weekend, things have changed at our place and we're extremely busy. We're above capacity for sure. We have been for a while. And, uh, you know, we are also moving to, uh, you know, to to address all those issues. But um, in L.A. County, they've been there for a couple of weeks now. So and, and a lot of hospitals in Orange County have been there for a couple of weeks as well. You know, uh, so. I think it's just a matter of perception. We're all we're all struggling. We're all working pretty hard. I just I had a hard time coming on the radio and saying we're working as hard as everybody else when I know that other hospitals are completely overrun and completely overwhelmed. Uh, let me go to vaccinations for a moment. We're going to talk about that a little later too. Uh, the distribution seems to be pretty good. Uh, that, you know, there's 20 million or 18 million uh, doses out there, of which two and a half million have actually uh, people have been vaccinated. And I'm assuming that it's really easy to deliver 5,000 doses in one box via FedEx to a distribution center. And then somehow from there to putting it in people's arms, just a little bit more difficult. Uh, Let me ask this. Uh, Centers were actually shut down over the weekend. And I want to throw a scenario at you and I want you to comment. Why aren't uh, vaccination centers uh, open 24-7? And why aren't uh, people being trained to give vaccinations so we can uh, expand this thing uh, as quickly as humanly possible? Uh, does that resonate at all? Yeah, no, I, that's exactly it. what I'm thinking is we are limited, like in our own hospital, we're limited uh, and, and we've yet still vaccinated over 2,000 people. Um, we, we only have so many caregivers that can throw darts at people's arms and, and give them a vaccine. But it's literally as simple as learning how to throw a dart. I mean, uh, we should be teaching other people. Now, you know, within our hospital, we don't have that capacity. The state would have to come out and say, listen, we're going to suspend any requirements for you know, uh, for licensure or certification for this. And we're going to train an army of people to be able to give these vaccines. So it looks like, I mean, I think Operation Warp Speed, you know, uh, worked as far as getting us a vaccine in record time and then getting it delivered in record time. But it looks like the states, uh, from what I'm, the way I read the fact that only 2 million doses have been given is the states dropped the ball and did not have adequate planning for how they were going to distribute and administer this vaccine. Um, that remains to be seen, though, right? Because right, the first stage was supposed to be just hospitals and nursing homes, and you would think that those facilities should have the personnel to be able to give the vaccine, you know, within the facility. But uh, let's see how the state does as we roll it out to the general public. You know, my understanding is it's going to be offered in pharmacies and places like that. And hopefully the pharmacies can staff up and be able to do it. But, you know, America has this weird mix of um, 
of state and federal run health care uh, mixed in with, you know, capitalistic kind of, you know, private yeah. run health care. And, and where those two interface really often does result in inefficiencies and problems. Yeah, every CVS will give you a flu shot. And uh, there are tens of thousands of those out there. I have yet to see CVS giving uh, the vaccine. Uh, Do you have any information on that? They don't have it yet. Yeah, they don't have it yet because we haven't rolled it out to those pe- those individuals yet. I, hopefully, we should be there in January. You know, we should start uh, immunizing high risk individuals that are within the community. They started with, <clears throat> sorry, front uh, front care workers, frontline workers, and they, then with nursing homes. But now they and, and those are kind of self contained. You can deliver it to the nursing home and say, you know, give this to your people, but. Uh, once we get into the people that live in the community that are high risk, now we're going to need people like CVS and Rite Aid and Walgreens and all of these pharmacists to to give the doses. But think about it. I mean, they've never immunized that many people. This is going to be well beyond the level of uh, number of immunizations that they've ever had to do in any extent. Even during a, a busy flu season, they've never given this many vaccines. Yeah, But at the same time, look what we did during World War II. Uh, the entire yeah. country turned around in a matter of months, and uh, it's believe me that was a lot harder than what we're uh, the, the, than this. Uh, so, do you see this? I feel like turning we just around? had less regulation back then. You That's know what true. I mean? It's like That's everyone's true. afraid to to step across the line as far yeah. as regulation. Even our hospital right now, we're working hard to submit the uh, to the state we have to submit our alt- kind of our alternative and flex use plan to the state for how we're going to use different areas of the hospital in a different way how we're going to staff nursing differently and support nurses when they're when you know they may not have the same ratio that they normally have so i mean there's regulatory issues around every corner on everything we do uh, you got your vaccination already right yeah, I'm almost uh, due for my second one. This yeah. Thursday will be my second vaccination. Do you make fun of the people that haven't gotten them around the hospital? Uh, there are no people that haven't gotten them around the hospital. <laughs> All right, just... <laughs> Just asking. All right, Jim. <laughs> Anybody uh, who thought that this wasn't real, that, you know, that all they had to do is walk through the hospital one day. All right, Jim, thank you. And uh, thanks much. And uh, thanks for your service. I know that, uh, you know, without people like you, we're in an even deeper trouble than we are. Have a good one, Dr. Jim Keeney. You too. Take care. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, keeping people off of airplanes that are sick. You think that'd be an easy one, wouldn't you? Uh No. And I'll explain that when we come back. Uh, KFI AM640. Let's uh, jump in with Michael Crozier in the KFI newsroom. Mary Eric oh, Garcetti. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, oh, no. And your chance to win $1,000. Let's not forget that. Now, Crozier. We ain't ever getting and uh, good morning. Bill Handel here on a uh, Monday morning, January 4th. Uh, big stories we're covering. Uh, number one, the COVID case numbers, horrible. And uh, the phone call the president made to the secretary of state of Georgia asking him outright, uh, overturn the election. Just redo it and give me the votes. So extraordinary. Uh, And, uh, well, uh, before we get into airplanes and uh, COVID, uh, a chance to win $1,000. For your chance at 1000 bucks, text the nationwide keyword dollar, D-O-L-L-A-R, to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's dollar to 200-200. 
And uh, you'll get a phone call if you win from a number you don't recognize, uh, usually from a 513 area code. And if you don't answer, well, next person in line uh, gets the call. Uh, listen to KFI AM 640 for the winning keyword every weekday, 20 after, between 520 in the morning, 620 in the evening. Now, the COVID cases. One of the weak points, and you think it would be one of the strongest points because it's pretty easy to control, airplanes. Right? Uh, you've got people who theoretically shouldn't get on an airplane if they're coughing, if they're sneezing, uh, if they're running a temperature. Well, they are. And uh, what the hell's going on? Well, because airlines aren't enforcing uh, the issue. Uh, and that's an easy place to enforce. Now, some airports, LAX, for example, you walk through the door, they're taking your temperature. And it's really easy to take your temperature because you have those thermal cameras, that thermal imaging where you literally just walk through an area and you've got a thermal camera that can measure the temperature of every person walking through. Uh, non-invasive, it's easy. Lots of people can go through at the same time. Doesn't slow anything down. Uh, but how about getting on an airplane? Well, they can enforce masks. That one's easy. And some airlines do. However, uh, what if someone is coughing? What if someone's sneezing? Well, here's the problem, and it's legitimate. Uh, why can't you just have a cough? Because there are a lot of symptoms that you can have that have nothing to do with COVID. Uh, and uh, it, you're not going uh, to transmit uh, a vaccine or any problem or any disease or any medical issue. And so what do you do? Well, it's difficult, but the problem is that the air airlines are not being stringent upon about it. Matter of fact, there is only one case we know of an airline issue, and that happened in Hawaii. And Hawaii has very strict uh, shutdown orders and uh, self-quarantine. So this happened in November. A Hawaii couple tested positive, and they were uh, coming into San Francisco and were told to isolate. Uh, they were positive uh, when they came off the airplane, or they were positive before they got on the airplane. And first of all, they let them on the plane, which is ridiculous. But here they are in San Francisco. But instead, they boarded a plane to Kauai, where they were actually arrested uh, for reckless endangerment. That's the only case I know of. And so the airlines are just very leery. Uh, to do anything about it. As a matter of fact, uh, here is uh, what the general policy is. You get on an airplane and uh, you're coughing, you're sneezing, uh, you're not wearing a mask. That one's easy. They throw you off the plane. They don't arrest you, which they should. Uh, you come on the plane after knowing that you are positive. All they do, if they if the airline finds out a bit, is usually banned from that airplane from that airline. So this is just one of the weak spots in which you have major corporations don't want to offend customers. They always take uh, the customer's always right approach because, you know, paying customers are king. And it's the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. And in this case, the airline just won't jump on it. And here's what's happening with COVID and which is so necessary. It's going to be incremental. Now, big picture vaccine for everybody. We talked uh, to Dr. Jim Keeney, and I had asked the question, why don't we have 24-7 uh, centers uh, that are uh, open and people trained to give a vaccination? 
uh, because that's an easy one. Uh, Jim said uh, you can. It's literally like just training someone to throw a dart. Well, we haven't gotten there, and we're not getting there. But that's an, it, because of the regulations involved. And much the same thing with airlines and uh, their ability to deal with it. Except you have to add one more factor. And that is, gee, we don't want to offend uh, our paying customers. Well, those days, yeah, those days have to change, especially in the middle of this coronavirus, uh, this pandemic. I mean, this is a race. Uh, it is. Uh, imagine you're uh, doing a uh, a marathon or just a mile race, and uh, you win. You're going to live. This is basically the Hunger Games. Uh, you don't make it over the line fast enough, you're going to die or at least get ill or transmit the uh, virus to someone else. And so while all of that is going on, the incremental approaches have to be maximized. Handle on the news. Late edition. Handle on the news. Hey, Bill Handel. Uh, do me a favor. Don't be an asshole today. All right. Thanks. Here's Bill Handel. And uh, good morning, Bill Handel here. And it is a uh, Monday morning, January 4th. uh, As uh, let me get this on mute uh, for a moment. It's not working. Uh, January 4th. Monday, as uh, we have a, well, what a start of uh, the new year with so much going on. Uh, Tomorrow, the um, runoff election in Georgia to determine whether or not uh, the uh, the Senate is going to be in Democratic or Republican hands. I mean, hugely important. And then Wednesday, uh, we have the... um, Wednesday, we have uh, the vote to determine uh, the final step to determine uh, not if, but uh, the determinative factor, uh, making sure that uh, president-elect Joe Biden is, in fact, the president-elect and will be president on the 20th. Have we ever had a more uh, busy political week the first no. week of any year? No, no. It's I amazing. Never, I, I've never seen it. And uh, so the next few days, next few days are going to be a lot of politics. And the next few days is going to be also a lot of COVID, unfortunately. And uh, what I want to do is uh, at some point lighten up, maybe do a story of a woman doing tricks uh, with an oyster bed in Alaska. And uh, we'll do something that's kind of fun. I don't know why I came up with that. Okay, guys, ready to go? See. All right, Handle on the News, late edition. Uh, Mike Crozier in for Jennifer, who I think comes in tomorrow. Yes. Uh, Wayne and me, lead story. Lies, 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 yeah. uh, the mayor of L.A., uh, Eric Garcetti, said uh, we have a slower-than-expected start to the vaccines. Really, thanks for that. And he's blaming state and local governments for not getting the resources from the feds. Uh, And here, again, here's where the feds uh, are being blamed. Jim Keeney earlier said, no, the problem is the states uh, that are not moving forward. But uh, we're going to work those out. uh, And uh, probably, hopefully, within a few weeks, uh, we're going to get moving to the point where the vaccinations are uh, clipping at a pretty good pace. Fauci said that... Uh, we should, within a couple of months, be hitting, uh, um, well, actually, within a couple of weeks, a million vaccinations uh, a day. 
we've been talking about how it's interesting to see to it's going to be interesting to watch how they start distributing them once they get out of that sort of circle of readily available people that need it like first line health people right. and police but once you start getting into the general populace it's going to be interesting to see how they plan it all yeah, out well you're going to see me at the front of the line literally pushing old people out of the way nice and uh, if there's a wheelchair there, that wheelchair is rolling down the hill. I'll tell you that while <laughs> I stand in line. The U.K.'s got another vaccine to give to its citizens. The AstraZeneca uh, vaccine from Oxford University got approved, at least on a temporary basis like this. Yeah, and uh, they're, uh, I don't know if they're using all three then, if they're using the Moderna. I don't believe and, they're using the Moderna. Uh, and so... Uh, the, even though England has, in fact, uh, okayed uh, the Oxford uh, vaccine, the United States, I'm being told, is still months away from approving that one, or at least weeks. You would think they would be jumping on it because England also has a very strict regulatory scheme. Uh, their program is as rigid, or I understand as rigid as ours, as what the FDA does. And can you imagine if you now have a third, the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine on the market? And that one is a great one. That one doesn't even have to be refrigerated. Hmm. That is literally just off the shelf. Right next to the cornflakes at uh, your uh, local Ralph's. (laughs) Don't confuse the two. Uh, No. L.A. County under a mandatory quarantine order for travelers. Should I stay or should I go? So uh, if you're coming into L.A. County from anywhere outside of the Southern California region. Which is huge. (laughs) Well, the Southern California region, yeah, is uh, Imperial Inyo, L.A., Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, Mono County. I don't know why that's part of it. San Diego, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, Ventura. So travel within that big area, you're fine. But from outside of that, you come in here and you're supposed to quarantine for 10 days. How do you know if you're driving in? And how do you know, uh, and they say only essential workers, and well, that one's a little easier. If you come in with your family and you're going to wait uh, at the at Disneyland for it to open in uh, six weeks and you're going to you're prepared to camp out, uh, that's an easy one. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think this is helpful, but there are a lot of holes in this, yeah. and these are holes that you can't patch. Yeah, the practicality There's a lot of, exempt- of enforcement, yeah. There's a lot of exemptions, first of all, people that it doesn't even apply to, and then... Where's the tracking and where's the enforcement? Yeah, and there isn't any. Uh, Dodger Stadium did some changes over the weekend to make the neighbors happy, and the testing resumes. All I do is win, win, win. Yeah, traffic is so bad there. They're saying this might be the largest testing uh, place, maybe even in the nation. Yeah, it is. And, it is. And and they just the traffic is as bad as you would think it would be going through people's neighborhoods all through there, and they've been complaining. So what they should do is contact the folks at Disneyland, and I'm serious. I'm not joking here. Uh, because the folks at Disney uh, have uh, brought uh, have uh, done uh, the studies of crowd control better than any place in the world. There are venues that study Disney. Uh, they've brought it to a science crowd control. You know, they develop the lines and how long people are in line and where they go. I mean, they understand that. And I'm surprised that they haven't gone to the Disney people and maybe even put grab the Disney executive people that specialize in that to run uh, the crowd control at Dodger Stadium and other uh, large venues. That would involve thinking and planning and actually... Uh... You're also, to be fair, because this is largely a traffic problem around the Dodger Stadium testing site, 
you're also stuck with whatever infrastructure exists. You know, Dodger Stadium is not exactly in a great location to give you tons of and, options. No, to control and you're right about that. But my guess is they can do better. And yeah. my guess is that they are not spending uh, enough time and effort to deal with just crowd control. I may be wrong, incidentally. Uh, they may bring in uh, a Nobel laureate in lines, for all I know, in crowd control. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back. All right, Michael, you're up. Monday morning, January 4th. Uh, let's go ahead and finish Handle on the News uh, Late Edition uh, with uh, Michael Crozier in for Jennifer today, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, a former head of the FDA says the new strain of COVID-19 will soon be the majority here in the U.S. Which makes sense because uh, it transmits so much quicker. The transmissibility easy for me to say, uh, is what almost twice as fast, 70% faster. Uh, and again, as I said earlier, man, what a race this is going to be by the time uh, the vaccine hits the majority of Americans and the number of people dying. We're at 352 today, 352,000 people dead. And uh, certainly by summer, it's going to be in the 400,000s uh, and maybe substantially more. Uh, can't wait for the numbers to start slowing down dramatically, and we know we've uh, turned the corner. Some uh, COVID adjustment is making the inauguration virtual, but more inclusive. They're talking about a virtual parade across America, which allows cities all over the place, all over the country to take part in it this year, which obviously hasn't before like this. They're just trying to keep people away from D.C., essentially. They're still going to do this little walk-along as they, uh, they the, the, the traditional escort, as it goes with every branch of the military, actually to the White House, which is always really cool. So that's going to be kind of neat. Uh, you're, you're seeing a, a new president who is so conscious of social distancing and mask wearing. It's very different. Yeah, we talk about a new kind of uh, White House. Uh, it, it couldn't be more disparate uh, than what uh, we have now and where we're going to. Uh, you know, the... the not only just politically, but in terms of tenor, in terms of uh, philosophy, approach, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of fatigue that is going to be uh, reduced, except unless you're a conservative Republican. Uh, then you're talking about uh, it's going to increase your your uh, your desire to change things uh, rather dramatically once uh, January 20th rolls around. Now, of course, Trump is still president, and he's got at least two more Medals of Freedom to hand out. Thank you for being afraid. Today, expected to give the Presidential Medal of Freedom to California Representative and cow owner Devin Nunes. <laughs> and then next week, uh, give one to Ohio Representative Jim Jordan. Uh, come on. You know, the the, the Medal of Freedom uh, is to recognize uh, folks who made an especially meritorious contribution to either the national security, world peace, cultural or significant public or <laughs> private endeavors. That's the definition. And uh, that's people who have reached the very highest levels of uh uh, what uh, you know, cultural. You know, for example, uh, who has received it? Uh, uh, John Lewis received it. Uh, what actors have received it? Musicians, scientists have received it. 
and now it's uh, Devin Nunez and uh, now, Jim Jordan, and their one claim to fame is they've backed the president. President, when he was, President Obama gave it to Joe Biden uh, towards the end there of their administration. Do you feel that was obviously, clearly more appropriate than giving it to Nunez? And I'll tell you why, because you have Joe Biden who uh, served uh, 40 years in government, uh, who, uh, yeah, yeah, only because of that, if nothing else, uh, where it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as blatantly political as uh, this is. And it's a question of, uh, you've got Nunez and Jim Jordan who have been just fanatic followers of the president. So it smacks of more politics. It's, it's just hilarious. And it's a question of optics. Thinking years from now when these guys are showing these medals off to people when they go, the eye rolls that everybody, because it's so public yeah. and why they're getting it, it's yeah. just a trinket then. Uh, yeah, that, that, I agree with that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. Calling every member of the service a hero, for example, uh, I, I've talked about that many, many times. You know, All what right. did you do? What did you do in the service? I was a barber. And because there are people that work in the barber uh, shop in the service, uh, service people, and uh, they're heroes. Uh, I don't know. How about people that actually go to battle and save other people's lives or policemen and women or firefighters that go into burning buildings to save people's lives? Uh, yeah. All right, let's move on. The world's safest airline has been announced. It's a familiar one, Qantas Airways. It seems like that one's the one that's always the at or near the top. But the funny yeah, thing is... it was announced in Rain Man. Uh, all of the... Was it? Is that what they said then, too? Ab- absolutely. Dustin nah, Hoffman wouldn't a, get on yeah. an airplane because planes had all crashed, and he had to go across the country, and he says, Qantas the, is the only way I'll go uh, across the United States. And it's funny that, that you brought that up because that's exactly what my ex-wife used to say from that movie. Now that she brought that up, I remember that. Because she, she refused to fly unless it was Qantas as well. At Qantas has had no fatalities. Still, after yeah, all this time. So. That is correct. Yep. Although, uh, if if you insist only on flying Qantas, you've really limited <laughs> your choice of destinations. No uh, Vegas trips. Is, yeah, that is true. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, basically, New Zealand and uh, Australia uh, from Los Angeles... Now, theoretically, you can go to New York if you don't want to fly. So you go, you fly to New Zealand or or um, you go to Auckland or you go to Sydney, and then I think you can fly to New York. So it's 14 hours and then 16 hours. Uh, oh, if you want to get, you're saying if you want to go from L.A. to New York. On Qantas. On Qantas, you, you can, can do, do it. it by going the third leg route and ending up over there in, uh, <laughs> yeah, in New Zealand for a while. Yeah, it's for- about 35 hours in the air. Wow, you got to be really committed. Yeah, you real and want to spend a lot of money doing it. All right, guys, uh, we are done with uh, late edition. Uh, coming up tomorrow morning is uh, the vote uh, in uh, Georgia, uh, the runoff election for the Senate, and uh, it's it's a little bit different. And I'm going to explain. It's a get out the vote move, and that, everybody knows how important that is. And I want to share with you what both sides are doing uh, that have reached new extraordinary heights. And uh, that we'll dive into uh, upon our return. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Good morning, Bill Handel here, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
Uh, Monday, January 4th, first show of the year, 2021. And some of the big stories that we are covering and will be for the next couple of days. Uh, first of all, uh, the numbers are uh, miserable when it comes to COVID. Uh, the president uh, yesterday, no, Saturday, uh, what a phone call he made to the Secretary of State of Georgia, at, right out asking him to reverse uh, the vote count, just straight out. Uh, and tomorrow is a very big election. And that has to do with uh, the Georgia senatorial race, uh, Republican David Perdue, sitting uh, senator versus John Ossoff, uh, Ossoff, a Democrat, and uh, Kelly Loeffler, sitting senator, but she was appointed eight months ago, uh, versus Raphael Warnock, a Democrat. And here is uh, what's at issue, uh, the control of the U.S. Senate. And if the Senate flips to all Democrats, if uh, Warnock and Ossoff win, uh, then the Democrats have control of all three branches or all, two of the three branches of government. And that is Congress as well as the presidency. And that does not bode well for Republicans. And then the whole country shifts. One of the things about Republicans, absolutely right when they say uh, that Biden wants to shift America in a different direction. 100 percent right. And it's uh, we're talking about a major shift, too. Uh, certainly more taxes, uh, much uh, more money spent on health care, housing, entitlement programs, uh, probably less money spent on the military, uh, more open borders, uh, immigration reform. I mean, there it's a different it's going to be a different country. There's no question about that. And depending on where you sit, uh, it's either for the better or for the good uh, or for the worse or you just don't care, uh, which is probably a fair number of Americans. So let me tell you what's going on in Georgia. First of all, world record. I mean, there's never been this much money being spent on a uh, state election. Uh, and now, granted, it's for Senate and it's pretty powerful, but the stakes are enormous. The stakes are literally the way the country's going to go. So this is not your just normal Senate race. And uh, probably half a uh, half a billion dollars is going to be spent on this. I mean, that's astronomical numbers. I mean, it wasn't many years ago when half a billion dollars was a presidential race. And where are people going? Well, both the Democrats and Republicans realize that there is one group of people, one group of uh, voters that are not only a make or break, but also uh, a group that has basically been ignored up to this point, uh, more so by the Republicans than by Democrats. But at this point, it doesn't matter. They're going balls to the wall. And it has to do with voter registration of young people. And uh, we're talking TikTok videos, uh, poetry readings, driving events with celebrities, college Republicans having phone banking competitions, Volunteer groups approaching young voters on dating apps such as Tinder. Uh, Grinder is a big issue. I have gone on to that a few times. And it doesn't matter. Every possible avenue of getting to young people to get them to register and to then vote. And usually younger people vote Democrat. And why is that? Because uh, younger people have no money and they want you uh, to pay for them. When I was in college, I was a rabid left winger because I had nothing. Now, uh, if you're in college and you're asking me to pay for everything for you, it's a little different story. But they still vote. The younger people vote, so the get out the vote is so important. And here's what is not boding well for the Republicans in this race. 
Early voting began mid-December. More than 3 million people have cast their ballots. Uh, That is a record. Among them, a fair number, substantial number of young people, more so than has ever happened before. And at this point, because of COVID, incidentally, uh, voter registration group and activists feared that it's going to be a struggle to mobilize voters for a runoff. It has not been a struggle. Uh, It has been extraordinary numbers that have shown up that have registered both sides. And why is that? Well, just look at the political landscape. Uh, Just look at the difference between a Trump presidency and a Joe Biden presidency and where the Biden administration is going to, and I just said earlier, is going to want to take the country. And if uh, both Democrats, Ossoff and Warnock, win Uh, That sort of wraps it up where the Democrats are going to have a lot of control. They're going to have full control. They're going to have a Democratic Congress and a Democratic liberal, moderate liberal, not uh, left-wing crazy liberal the way uh, Biden is being painted. As a matter of fact, if you uh, look at any of uh, the rallies, particularly Kelly Loeffler's rally, uh, a vote for uh, Warnock means we're going to go socialist. Uh, that oh uh, that uh, the squad Alexandra Acacia, uh, Acacia uh, is going to control the United States. That these young freshman Congress people are go- they're going to make the decisions for Joe Biden. I mean, it's kind of interesting stuff to say the least. Uh, but that's resonating among Republican voters. And when you're talking about the base, and when you're talking about uh, scaring Republican voters. Uh, and that's what that's about, because it's not there's no reality. Uh, Alexandra Cosia Cortez, is that her, do I have their name right? Uh, is not going to be calling the president uh, every day and telling him which way to go and what kind of policy to institute, although that's the way it's being painted. Uh, so believe me, that kind of allegation and rhetoric does inflame. One of the things about politics is uh, uh, if you uh, denigrate the other side, uh then what happened? And the more you do, the better off it is for you. Mud slinging works. Everybody talks about we're going to do it on a high note. We're not going to attack each other. That doesn't work. What works is the mud slinging. And uh, we'll see what happens. Right now, it looks like uh, the Democrats are leaning towards winning. We don't know. It's too close. Uh, but among younger voters, and this is the part. That is so important to them. Climate change, student debt, criminal justice reform, racial inequity. Uh, and that is, those are Democratic mantras, much more so than Republican mantras. Republican mantras are defense, immigration, uh, business, lower taxes. And frankly, young people uh, don't care about that. They're worried about their student debt. And you're going to have the Biden administration, especially if uh, the Democrats win this election, uh, you're going to see, I believe, massive amounts of student debt just wiped out, which is great for students and for the rest of us who have money uh, that has been invested in pension plans and uh, banks who have invested in student debt. uh, Be prepared for just a, a touch of fallout, right? Just a little bit. Uh, The new Congress is in session, the 117th Congress, and it's an interesting one. 
And I'll dive into that when we come back and your chance to win $1,000 when we come back, too. And good morning, Bill Handel here. Before we start uh, the new Congress or talking about the new Congress, uh, your chance to win $1,000. For your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword easy, E A S Y, to 200 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's easy to 200 200. And uh, you'll uh, get a phone call. Pick it up, even if it's a number you don't recognize, uh, because if you don't pick it up, it goes to the next person on the list. And you're probably going to get it from a 513 area code. Listen to KFI AM 640 every day. Uh, for the winning keyword, uh, 20 minutes after the hour, between 5.20 a.m. and 6.20 p.m. A new Congress has just been sworn in. It's uh, the 117th Congress, and uh, it is uh, the most diverse Congress that we've had. There's some weird things going on with this. Uh, there's a couple of them uh, that uh, the election has still not been verified, so they're there provisionally. There is a Republican who died of uh, COVID, uh, Luke Letlow, uh, and uh, from Louisiana. That's a heartbreaker. So there'll be a runoff for his seat. And uh, it's, um, well, uh, let me just give you an idea. Uh, Representative Mondaire Jones, Democrat, New York, the first openly gay black man to serve. Uh, Democratic uh, Representative Richie Torres, New York. The first openly gay African Afro Latino member. We have a lot of different uh, uh, combinations here. Uh, Representative Stanley Bryce, uh, Republican, first Iranian American. Uh, Representative Marilyn Strickland, uh, Democrat. Young Kim, Republican. She's California. Uh, Michelle Steele, Republican. The first Korean American women in Congress. And Madison Cawthorn, uh, Republican in North Carolina. The youngest person to serve in Congress in the modern era, 25 years old. Uh, 118 women, 89 Democrats, 29 Republicans. And here's another uh, real notable point I want to make. Two open supporters of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory that says... And, uh, I mean, this one is just a stunner. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, has said, yes, she believes the Democratic Party, the Congress, is rife with uh, pedophile congresspeople. Satanic, under-the-cover pedophiles who are members of Congress. Yep, yep. And uh, you've got swaths of people absolutely believing it. That's right. They're all pedophiles. How do you know? I read it. Uh, Where did you read it? Well, I I read it on the Internet. And our representative says it. I mean, what a Congress this is going to be. Nancy Pelosi just won uh, the speakership by a hair. She has led the caucus for 17 years, either as uh, the minority uh, the minority leader or the speaker uh, herself. And a handful of Democrats uh, did not go for her. So this is going to be her last term under any circumstances. And there may be a coup uh, in the works. Uh, and we're talking about a coup to overturn 
uh, the speaker, which has happened before, and a speaker has to maintain uh, her, in this case, her leadership. And uh, it's tenuous. It's always tenuous. Lots of speakers have uh, lost their speakership. Coming up, do they have a case? Now, that's going to be fun because uh, we've been doing enough politics and COVID this morning. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to cover the uh, Georgia runoff. Uh, Find out, well, it's going to, obviously, we're not going to know until the following day or late tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, uh, it's going to be a butte. This is when um, Vice President Pence actually counts uh, the votes to verify uh, President-elect's, uh, President-elect Biden's final, uh, that final hurdle, and it shouldn't be a hurdle, to determine that he is, in fact, the president-elect, will be the next president, and it should be just opening the mail and counting, but it's not. And then I'm going to give you a little history lesson, too. This is fun. Uh, I handle history segment on what happened with this issue exactly. I mean, point by point. And I'll share that with you when it happened. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. So in the meantime, do they have a case coming right up uh, with Wayne Resnick and moi? Gavel time. The banging of the gavel when Bill Handel says if they have a case. Oh, yeah, it's gavel time. We know Bill Handel can't be a real And uh, here we go. Monday, January 4th, as we end uh, the show, the last two segments uh, with uh, Wayne Resnick and me. And uh, real quickly, before we jump into They Have a Case, uh, the big stories that we're covering. uh, The uh, president, Saturday, uh, phone call the Secretary of State of Georgia, uh, literally uh, almost ordering him. We're telling him uh, to change uh, the the vote count. Just change it. And so there's huge, uh, uh, obviously, uh, huge... uh, uh, conversation about that, and uh, well, we'll talk more about that tomorrow, certainly. And uh, tomorrow is uh, the election in Georgia, the Senate runoff, and then the next day is uh, the vote in the Senate and Congress to confirm the election of Joe Biden. So we've got a hell of a week, to say the least. But let's go into our normal Monday. Do they have a case with uh, Wayne and me? All right. Now, usually I bring you cases that have been decided. Uh, usually at the federal appellate level, meaning pretty much the cases I bring you are done and have nowhere else to go because the Supreme Court hears so many. Now, this is a little different, but because I know that second only to baguettes, one of your favorite things are King's Hawaiian rolls. That is correct. This is a lawsuit that's just been filed against the makers of King's Hawaiian rolls. A guy from uh, Yonkers, New- yeah, a guy from Yonkers, New York. It's a class action lawsuit, and he says that King's Hawaiian rolls knowingly deceive people because on the front of the package it says Hilo Hawaii, but when you read the label on the back, you find out they're made in Torrance, California, and this guy says that. It's more important to consumers the Hilo-Hawaii connection than it is even the quality of these rolls when they decide to buy them. Therefore, putting Hilo-Hawaii on the front is so important to a consumer's decision to pick that product uh, that it's deceptive. Now, one thing you should know 
Here's what it says on the front. It says established 1950 Hilo, Hawaii. And King's Hawaiian Rolls, in fact, did start in Hilo, Hawaii in 1950 uh, when the guy who started it opened up a bakery. And then later he moved everything to Southern California because it was easier to distribute the stuff. So it is a fact that, that it was established in 1950 in Hilo, Hawaii. But this lawsuit says you're still deceiving people by putting that on the front. Does he have any kind of case? Well, I think he has an argument, uh, certainly. I mean, it's not uh, a, a summary judgment is not going to fly, uh, fly on that one uh, because there is an issue. And then the question is, uh, is it deceptive? And then the issue is... Because I think you can argue uh, deception here to some extent. Uh, you can argue that someone with the IQ of par golf, for example, 72, uh, could uh, somehow be confused. However, is there a point of reasonableness? Where does the court determine what is reasonable? For example, let's say on the back there is uh, some kind of an ingredient that is misspelled. Uh, on the ingredient list. Therefore, uh, I assumed it was something else because I know how to spell gum, right? Yeah, for example, it's uh, gum, pro, you know, whatever they use uh, in virtually every product. Guar gum, for yeah, example. Yeah, guar gum. And it's uh, G-O-M instead of G-U-M. Therefore, <laughs> uh, you are deceiving me. Well, yeah, technically, if you're a complete moron, yeah, you could argue that. So the court is, I think, going to say uh, King's Hawaiian bread, uh, it was established in 1950, uh, doesn't necessarily connect, saying it's still there. And so I'm going to simply argue that he just went one step too far uh, in arguing uh, what is truly a technicality. So I think he loses. Yeah, well, we'll have to see if the court lets well, it what's get your, What is your take on it? I don't think he's got a case um, because I'm looking and I'm looking at the specifics of this. First of all, Hilo Hawaii is always presented in conjunction with the phrase established 1950. There are different sizes of lettering on the front of a King's Hawaiian roll package. This part, established 1950 Hilo Hawaii, is in very small type compared to, for example, the words Hawaiian rolls that are very big. So, Hilo Hawaii is always presented in conjunction with established. And when you turn the thing over, it's very clear that they're made and distributed out of Torrance, California. So I can't I can't imagine that you're going to say to any company, you're not allowed to indicate on the packaging for your product where your company was founded or originated because some guy like this will try to turn it into a class action lawsuit. Well, I mean, the argument uh, goes on. You can say that, but uh, you uh, would then have to say now in Torrance or no longer in Hilo uh, is where he is going with that. And I, uh, this clearly is uh, uh, some attorney who woke up and had nothing to do. Uh, there are attorneys out there who do nothing but hustle class action suits. That's what they do. Most of them being frivolous. Uh, the mass majority hoping some kind of a nuisance settlement. Some are massive. I mean, some are legitimately huge. 
But uh, those go to real law firms with real lawyers who, and that's not to say the lawyers who file these frivolous suits are not real lawyers, uh, but uh, it's the diff- let's say this, it's the difference between what I do on Handle on the Law uh, and uh, what anybody else does who knows how to spell L- law, L-A-W. All right. and One course, last thing. One last thing before the break. And by the way, it's the other way. Uh, it's the a person who spells law correctly that is uh, the advantage against me on me. But go ahead. <laughs> Just uh, if you want to have a complaint about uh, King's Hawaiian Rolls, and you, of all people, would be entitled to have this complaint, it's that that style of roll isn't really Hawaiian, that's a Portuguese sweet roll. That's the origin of that type of roll. It's from the Portuguese people. Hmm. 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 Now, nobody's suggesting that. you sue Kings Hawaiian for saying they're Hawaiian rolls. I'm just saying if oh, you I go would. back and oh, look at the what? origin, and that's your By people. the way, you probably gave some sleazeball attorney an idea right now. <laughs> and that lawsuit is probably going to start. Suit. It's probably going to be filed tomorrow. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and finish up. Uh, The last segment of uh, Do They Have a Case? Welcome back. KFI AM640 Handle here as we end the show on a Monday morning, January 4th, with uh, Do They Have a Case? Uh, Wayne Resnick and uh, me. All right, Wayne. All right. Now, this is the lawsuit involving a group of students suing public officials in Florida over the Parkland school shooting. The claim is that uh, the superintendent, that various of the police personnel, as well as a school security guard, violated their right to substantive due process because of the following. Before the shooting happened... Cruz, the the guy who did the shooting, was well known as being a problem person. So they say everybody knew that Cruz might be dangerous. And the superintendent had been warned that the school didn't have adequate security, but they didn't do anything to improve security. That the police officer in charge of school security, Scott Peterson, was nicknamed Rod which stands for retired on duty because his lackadaisical approach was already well known. So that was all like the tone of what was going on there. Now, on the day of the shooting, a security guard recognized Cruz and thought, oh, this guy could be here to do something bad, but he let him get into the school anyway. He did radio other officers that Cruz was there, but he didn't try to stop him. He didn't directly approach Cruz and he didn't call in a code to put the school on a lockdown. And later he said he was ordered not to ever call in the lockdown code unless he saw a gun, which he had not seen. As you know, once the shooting started, uh, police responded, but they were not allowed to go into the school to do anything. They were told by the captain who was the commander, Jan Jordan, to stage outside the school. And they wouldn't let first responders go in to do anything, including help the victims. In doing that, by the way, that captain did violate police policy. That was not the way it's supposed to be handled, but that's what he did. And you know, 
Bill, all the stories about the cop just waiting outside the school, not doing anything. Right. There were some people who uh, lost their jobs over this. But here we have a constitutional lawsuit that is saying you had a responsibility to protect us and you didn't and you violated our right to due process. Here's the wrinkle, though. When the government has you in a custodial setting, they have a lot of responsibilities to take care of you and protect you. But the school district and the police department are saying kids in school are not in a custodial relationship with the state. It's not like being a prisoner in a juvenile detention center where there'd be all kinds of obligations to take care of you. This is not that. And the students counter with, well, one, attendance is mandatory, right? It's compulsory education. And number two, there are armed security guards on this campus. And we think that creates enough of a custodial relationship with the school and the police department that you have this constitutional obligation. What do you make of all of this? Yeah, I'll buy the custodial relationship. Uh, that, I think, flies, uh, that argument. Uh, now, as far as uh, the rest of it is concerned, uh, I think there's enough there uh, where certainly negligence uh, can attach uh, if you look at all of the facts. Also, there are... Uh, arguments against that. For example, not rushing in. Well, uh, that was what the police did. That was the policy until these shootings. And now it's uh, you rush in, come hell or high water. But I think if you put all of the facts together, if I had to uh, guess, and it's always a guess for me, unless it's a, you know, absolute. Thank you very much, Bill. You're brilliant. It's either a guess or it's not a guess. Uh, I'd say the students have a shot here. I think they have a case. What do you think? Well, what did the court decide? Well, here's here's the thing that makes it difficult, and that is there's nothing in the Supreme Court history that helps resolve this. And so you have to look at just the law in the 11th Circuit. And in the 11th Circuit, they have had cases before, and they said kids in school are not in a custodial relationship with the state. They don't. The, the, the school doesn't have enough power to control what the kids do. And, and, you know, schools have a lot of power to control what kids do in the school, but they don't have enough power to be considered in the same relationship with the students as if they were in jail or something like that. And so because they found these students were not in a custodial situation with the government, that the only way that they could have a case is if what these guys did was shocking to the conscience in a constitutional sense. Now, do you want to take a second? Do you have an opinion on whether what they yeah. did rises to that level? I don't think it does. When you talk about the courts deciding uh, on the issue of shocking to the conscience, uh, you have to go a very long way and uh, my very favorite case uh, goes back to uh, either the 1920s or the teens uh, in which uh, there wasn't uh, liability for non-food products. 
for example, uh, they the courts just, uh, no matter how disgusting non-food products were, uh, there was zero liability until somebody bit into a chaw of tobacco. You know, they used to sell them by the chunks. Yeah. And there was a decomposing human toe in one. I'm not kidding, by the way. I'm not making this up. This is an actual case that established precedent. And when the lawsuit hit, uh, the court said, uh, even though the law is that non-food products, which tobacco was, uh, you cannot sue for liability. This was so shocking to the conscience of the court, which I don't understand, because I think decomposing human toes and chaws of tobacco are no big deal, uh, especially when you bite into them, uh, that that became shocking to the conscience. And it takes almost that level. Uh, so... There you go. That's exactly right. And that's what this court said as well. And especially in a circumstance that happens like in a very short period of time, like an emergency, as opposed to some other situation where maybe they had a lot of time, weeks or months to plan for something, um, it would probably be impossible. The o- yep. You know what? The only way that you could find shocking to the conscience in something like this is if a guy goes to a school and starts shooting and the cop says, don't do anything because I hate those kids anyway, yeah. and I hope they all die. That's about what it would take. Absolutely. By the way, I think that's Reynolds versus American Tobacco. Uh, yeah. If uh, you want to look that up, decomposing human toe in a chew of tobacco. Okay, guys, we're done. Uh, tomorrow morning, I come back all over the place. Uh, we have uh, the Georgia runoff to talk about tomorrow. And then the following day, uh, we have uh, the count. Right now at Papa John's, get $6 Papa deal. Plus, any side, this side, that side, all these sides, for just $6 each. That's a lot of sides. Get $6 Papa deals and $6 sides only at PapaJohns.com.